Hello. Thank you. Right. Well, this morning, um, I've been, obviously I got the date for preaching today and I was thinking it's quite near to Christmas. This Thursday is the first day you can open your chocolate advent calendars if you haven't done already and taken all the chocolates out of the back. Yeah, I know. I know some of you have done that already. But so we start, I don't know whether if you've got a TV, if you've walked down the high street, you'll realise it is the um, onslaught to Christmas from now. So I was thinking, God, what is it? Obviously, we are physically preparing for Christmas. We are thinking about it in our minds. We might be buying food, might be writing present lists. But I was thinking, God, what is it you want us to do to prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits for Christmas? Because actually, we'll be, doing, we'll be very busy, probably most of us, in the physical preparations. But actually, we know that God wants us to prepare ourselves in other ways as well. So um, that's what I've been asking God about. And so I believe this morning that the message I'm going to bring is what God wants to say to us at this time. So Christmas. So the, could we have the first slide up, please? So one song says it's the most wonderful time of the year. If you have a look, I've just got some images here that conjure up some of the things that might come to mind when we think of Christmas. I don't know whether you've seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but it is very funny. We watched it with our children a couple of years ago and we thought, actually, maybe we shouldn't because the language is quite fruity. And we both kept looking at each other like, is this okay? Is this not okay? But it's a bit of a picture of family, complicated family relationships, a desire for one family man to get the perfect Christmas, and it is very funny. There's gifts, you know, what do you buy? How much do you spend? Who do you buy for? Um, Cards that may seem like a great idea, and then you start writing them, and you think, I wish I didn't have so many friends. (laughs) Um, And there's food, you know, there's that then it might be a complicated situation for you. It might be something simple. And then I just, I don't know whether you can read the bit at the top corner. I just thought that was very funny. Group, Christmas group therapy, Father Christmas saying, I don't believe in myself. Um, so Christmas has lots of different meanings, but um, I want us, and this is my prayer for us this morning. If we turn over the next slide, please. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15 verse 13. Now these words, peace, hope and joy, are actually words that you will see a lot at this time of year. They're on decorations. Um, I bought a few years ago a Christmas decoration. It says peace, hope and joy. And then I've just left it all up all year round because I think that's not just... That's not just for Christmas. So as, as Christians, these words are incredibly powerful. And I believe that these are real, tangible gifts that Jesus died for us to have and that we can live in the good of every day. Not just, isn't they're not just, it's not just a phrase for us. It's not just a Christmas sentiment. These are powerful words. And I had this picture, really, that... Um, So today, we're going to look at peace, hope, and joy. When I started to prepare, I realized there's no way I'm going to fit peace, hope, and joy in one preach. So today, we're just going to look at peace. Um, So peace, hope, and joy. But I had this picture of, as the wise men gave the gifts to Jesus, I just felt God say that actually, these three words are like gifts that he gives to us at Christmas. So we're going to unwrap the gift of peace this morning. 
And we're going to think about what it actually means and how do we access that. Because obviously, if anybody gives you a gift, you can acknowledge it, you can look at it, um, you can receive it. But unless you actually open it and you follow the instructions in some cases, you won't get the best out of what that gift is and you won't fully receive it. So we're going to delve into what, what it is for us, what it means for us to have the peace that Jesus died for us to have this morning. So when, I don't know whether you, if you've been around for a few years, you will remember that back in when we used to meet in the waterfront, we, there was a sort of marked change in us as a church really pursuing the supernatural. And we decided, or the Holy Spirit decided through us to go, do you know what, you know, you can pursue miracles, you can see the supernatural um, breaking out into all parts of your life. And I remember Pete saying, um, as well as the supernatural and seeing miracles, wouldn't it be supernaturally amazing for us to live lives without anxiety? And I remember when he said that, and he said, what, what impact would that ha- have on our relationships? What impact would that have on our community if we were known as a people without anxiety? And so, and in that same way, I believe that God does reveal himself through miracles and signs and wonders. The miracles are signs and wonders that point to God, aren't they? They reveal part of him. And I believe that the biggest miracle is actually in our lives. When we didn't know God, we didn't know that he made us and he loved us. And we came to him and we were reconciled to Father through Jesus. And then we are we were and we are being transformed by his love and his power and i believe that is we are his miracles revealing to we're revealing the father god to the world and so actually i believe today that god wants our lives to be rooted with peace and hope and joy and actually they in that in doing that in in having lives where we really live in peace we are going to be a sign to the world of God and revealing who he is and what he's like. Yay. Thanks, Alan. So Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are like light for the whole world. This is the good news translation. I like this one. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it is put on the lampstand where it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your father in heaven. You know, that's what I was talking about. As we live our lives full of joy and peace, overflowing with hope and faith, we are being light in the darkness. So peace then. We know that Christmas, in in one sense, is a sad time for many people. I know for Neil, he works in London, and quite often, towards from now until Christmas, he will be delayed because of um, suicides on the train, and that increases towards Christmas. We know that Many people feel very lonely. There's financial pressure. There's media pressure for to have the perfect Christmas. You're, you might find yourself spending time with people that you have strained relationships with, or it it becomes into more focus that whether your family is divided and you've got separate groups of families to see. We're not. We as Christians are not immune to any of those pressures at this or any other time of the year. And if you have any contact with any other living being, you will experience conflict and misunderstandings and upset at some point. 
You'll have to face decisions on spending. And at times you'll think, how is this going to work out? And we're not to be ignorant of these pressures. But Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, Peace is what I leave with you. It's my own peace that I give to you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. In John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's amazing, isn't it? So peace, this is our gift from Jesus. One of the dictionary definitions of peace is that it's the absence of conflict or trouble. Well, Jesus has just said, we've just read that. In this world, we will have trouble. So will we never have peace in? No, because he, Jesus is very clear, isn't he, that actually the peace that he gives is something very different. The world's understanding of peace is a life without trouble. And actually, that isn't going to happen. But the NIV version, interestingly, of John 14, verse 27, says, do not let your hearts be troubled. So Jesus is saying, we have a choice. We can choose to let our hearts be troubled. We can dwell, we can meditate on our problems. We can think about what, what might happen about this. What might happen if this happens? We can think, oh, if only this hadn't have happened. If only I'd have done this. What if I'd have done this? What would have happened then? And I I think when we do those things, we are doing what Jesus said when he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. We're choosing to let ourselves be troubled when we engage in those things. We've got um, the audio versions of the Roald Dahl stories, and one of them is um, Charlie in the Great Glass Elevator. And there's this brilliant, I couldn't actually find the quote, this brilliant quote where Willy Wonka says, Um, because some of the characters are saying, but what if this, and what if this? And he says, what if, what if, the world, what would you say, you'll never get anywhere if you go about what-ifing all the time like that. And, you know, we can do that, can't we? And Jesus clearly said, don't do that. He, Jesus invites us to give all of these very real concerns and issues to him. He doesn't want us to live ignorant of what faces us. He knows that we are heavy laden at times, He knows the pressures and the questions that we face, and he invites us to him. Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me, and this is the common English Bible. I love looking up verses in different versions of the Bible, and you find that some of them just make it come alive much more. I just encourage you to do that. Bible Gateway is a really good app. Um, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Throw, I love this, throw all your anxiety onto him because he cares about you. Another version you might be more familiar is cast all your anxiety on him. But I love that sense of, throwing all your anxiety on him and we're going to do something a bit practical now underneath your chair there should be a little bit of paper and a pencil or a pen that you can write on and we're just going to spend um, a few minutes thinking and you can either do this with somebody you're sitting with or you can do it on your own and I want you to think about something that um, 
you may have an area in your life at the moment that you don't have peace about. Or you may have something coming up that you anticipate may challenge your peace. And I'd love you to write, just jot, it might be one word or a sentence, I'd just love you to jot it down. And I'm going to picture, this is, this is our, the gift box of peace that Jesus is giving us today. And I'm going to put this box down here. And I'd love you, once you have written your word or your phrase, to come up and if it were me, this is what I would do, screw it up into a ball. If it were my son, he would stand right there and see if he could throw it in, literally, and try and get it in. You can do that if you want to, but or you can just come and place it in. But this is a prophetic act of us giving our troubles to Jesus. We're casting our anxiety on him. And the reason why we're doing it this morning is I felt like there are times when, if you're anything like me, I give my things, you know, that worries, concerns to Jesus, and then... I sneakily take them back again <laughs> and I just carry them around with me a bit longer. And he says, why are you doing that? Why are you taking them? And actually, when I've physically done something, so I've written it down and I've given it to him, I feel like sometimes he can then say to me, do you remember? Do you remember the time you actually gave that to me? Now, you've got to trust that you did give it to me and don't take it back again. So I feel this morning this is an act of you saying, I've given this to Jesus and, and I believe that he will, Holy Spirit will be saying to you, you've given that to me. Do you remember? You've left it with me. You need to leave it with me. So this is just a physical thing of us doing something in our hearts as well. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes now and leave the box down here. Well done. Keep them coming. You can do two if you find another piece of paper and you want to write down several. That's fine. That's brilliant. Thank you. We're going to have a look now at what is the foundation of our peace. The foundation of our peace is Jesus. He is our peace. We're not going to read this, but Ephesians 2 from 11 to 16 talks about that actually Jesus is our peace. He, he's the one who we're reconciled to God through. Do you know we were made to be in relationship with Father God. That's how he made us. He made us to have union and intimacy with him. And when we don't have that, we don't have peace. We may think we have peace. There's many people walking around who think they have peace, but actually the kind of peace that we were made to live in is not possible without relationship with Jesus, without union with Jesus. So he is our peace. Um, and actually, so we need to recognize that we stand on that and we stand on the foundation that is unshaking and that is Jesus. But we can have um, a perspective of lack. And I believe that actually that distorts, that can, that can affect our peace because we don't live in the good of that union that we have with Jesus. Romans 8 verse 38 to 39 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And obviously in John Jesus talks about, I am in the Father, you are in me, we are in the Father. We are one with Jesus. When I was thinking about this in the picture of pregnancy, I was thinking, oh, well, marriage is not 
it's not even a good enough analogy. I was thinking about, actually, when a woman is pregnant, you see the woman and you see the child and they're one. You can't divide the child from the woman, can you? And in the same way, we are, and in that sense, that child is hidden within the woman and they are one. And in the same way, and any, any kind of word, any analogy is never good enough, is it? But in the same way, we are hidden in God and we are inseparable from him. But when we don't live in the good of that, we can have a perspective of lack. Because the truth is, because we are in union with the faithful one that we were singing about this morning, the almighty one, we lack nothing. We're never on our own. I'll say that again, you are never on your own because you are united with Jesus. So whatever you face, you never, ever face it alone. And you are always resourced with everything you need because you are joined with the great resourcer. You are joined with the creator of the world. He lacks nothing and so you lack nothing because you are joined with him. So our peace comes from the foundation that Jesus has reconciled us to the Father through what he did on the cross. Through dying on the cross, we are reconciled to the Father through Jesus. And we are never alone and we lack nothing. That is the foundation of our peace. We are inseparable from God. That is amazing, isn't it? Yay! Woo! So, practically though, I know for myself, and if you're anything like me, I don't live every day with a tangible awareness of that peace. So I know that that is where I stand, and I know that I'm in union with God, but I'm not experiencing that peace in the everyday. But I believe that it is God's best for us for that reality to permeate through to everything, to my, to everything, to my whole life. Okay, so this morning we're going to spend a bit of time now thinking and, and looking at how can we get that reality into the everyday of our lives. So to start with, I'd say we need to renew our mind with the truth. The last time I spoke, I spoke about the same thing. <laughs> Here I am again saying the same thing. We need to renew our minds with the truth because otherwise, just like the gift, it's like a box sitting on our mantelpiece unopened. Unless we actually live in the good of the truth, it's like a present that we've received and we never unwrap. And that is not what God wants for us. He wants us to unwrap it. He wants us to enjoy the gift that's inside. And we need to renew our minds with the truth. Um, we need to, so oh, this is a brilliant verse. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, and when I say renewing our minds with the truth, we're allowing the Holy Spirit and the word of God to come into our like a light in our minds and in our hearts to reveal what the truth is and what's not the truth. So Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is why we read our Bibles. That is why we make declarations because the word of God comes and it like a sharp sword separates what I feel is true and what I think is true 
to what is actually true. And that is what the word of God does. That's amazing, isn't it? So we are made up, and I'll come back to this, but we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And our body is obviously our physical being, and our soul is our mind and our will and our emotions and our heart. And then our spirit is the, is the part of us that is actually been saved and is sitting with Jesus, seated with him in heavenly places. Now, I love this verse in Hebrews 4 because it's, it speaks about the word of God coming and recognizing that actually there are, there's parts of us that don't always come into agreement with the spirit. So our spirit is saved. Our spirit is with Father God. Our spirit is seated in heavenly places, ruling and reigning with Jesus. But there are times when our soul, our mind and our will and our emotions and our bodies don't feel like that. But the Holy Spirit and the word of God comes and it points out that's not, that's not actually eternally true. That is what's really true. So it's reading our Bibles regularly, listening, like I've said before, listening to preachers, um, spending time with other people who speak truth and, and spending time with people talking about the Bible and what do you think about this and studying, meditating on the word of God. So that, that is really important. Another thing practically is not over committing ourselves. If we look at the next slide, I found this. 14 things successful people do before breakfast. They, I'm going to read them because if you're listening after this, then it won't make sense. They wake up early. They drink water. They exercise before it falls off the to-do list. They work on a top priority business project. They work on a personal passion project. They spend quality time with family. They connect with their spouses. They make their beds. <laughs> They network over coffee or tea. They meditate to clear their minds. They write down things they're grateful for. They plan and strategize when they're fresh. They check their email. They read the news. I don't know about you, but I'd be having my breakfast at three o'clock in the afternoon because that is probably a typical day for me while the children are at school, and that's six and a half hours. So I'd be very hungry. But this is what somebody has come up with. Is This is what successful people do before breakfast. Now, that is a message that and I read a book, another book by John Ortberg once, and it said that he he did this study and he went looked at all the experts in different fields of life, like experts in health, experts in um, mind well-being, and he said if we were to do the, spend the amount of time that they all suggest on the different things that they're expert in, we would need 36 hours in a day because there physically aren't enough hours to do the recommended amounts of each of these things. So the world is often pressurizing us to be busy, to be overcommitted, and that can take away our peace. The next slide um, says... Let whatever you do today be enough. People who know me well know that I really need to listen to this myself. So I stand here in humility saying, I don't always get this right. Sometimes I give myself way too many things to do and then feel, oh dear, I didn't do this. But actually, I know for me the best days are when I'm much more realistic about what is possible. And at the end of the day, I look back and go, that was enough. That was okay. So resolving conflict where possible. 
Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That is something that can gnaw away at our peace, actually, when we're living with unresolved conflict with other people. So this is an important thing to and, and to recognise where, as far as it's possible, on your half. Obviously, there are situations where you've probably been in or, or are in at the moment where it isn't possible to actually bring the resolution and the type of relationship that you would want. But as the Holy Spirit, the, the Word of God says, as far as it's possible with us, live at peace with everyone. The next verse is 1 Thessalonians. This is such a... Just great, um, great verse. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's so practical, isn't it? And actually, you know, I've felt God speak to me before and just say, worry less, pray more. <laughs> so simple. Yes, yes, I must do that. But this is what this verse is saying, isn't it? Rejoice always, pray continually. Actually, this is, it's like giving us um, a bed for for peace to to manifest in our lives, like a soil, the soil. So, ultimately, true peace comes from our union with Jesus. So we've said, haven't we? We're reconciled to God through Jesus, and we're at peace with God. We're accepted, forgiven, and completely loved. There's nothing separating us and God. There's no barriers. We need to meditate on that truth and let that affect everything else. We need to rest in our position as his beloved children. And I believe that experiential peace, the peace that we feel, the peace that's quite tangible, comes to us as we allow our minds and our bodies to come into alignment with where our spirits are right now. I was saying earlier about Ephesians 2, so... In our union with Christ Jesus, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. He did this to demonstrate for all time to come the extraordinary greatness of his grace in the love he showed us in Christ Jesus. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. It's referring to what I said earlier about that we are a body and we are a soul and we are a spirit and it says we he has raised us up so you are living your spirit being is living right now with Jesus and I believe what what we need to do is come into let our bodies and our minds come into alignment with where our spirits are right now and that is how we live in the peace. Uh, any other way, it doesn't seem possible, doesn't it? Well, if we're, if we're living according to our physical identity, then if we're ill, we, can, we can't know peace. If we're living according to our soul identity, if we've got a lot on our minds, we can't know peace. If we're living according to the, our identity in our spirit, we can know peace that permeates through all of those things because our spirit is seated. Our spirit is in the hug of the Father. Our spirit is with him in union all the time. 1 Corinthians 2, I don't know whether I've got this down, no I haven't, says in the NIV, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10 to 16 says, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. 
For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, of the world, sorry, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So this gift of peace is not something that can be fully understood with the mind. It's not something that can be fully experienced with the mind or the body, but it's a spirit thing. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So actually we can experience it on a mind level because we have the mind of Christ as well. So I'll say it again, in order to have and experience this peace, we need to bring our bodies and souls in alignment with our spirits. So we've just read where we are. Our spirit is raised up and seated with Jesus. We need to allow the word of God and the Holy Spirit to come and penetrate the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts and to bring us into alignment with the truth. Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I feel like this morning that Father God wants to say to us, he wants to speak over us his, his peace. And um, I was reading Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. And we're going to spend a bit of time this morning. I'm looking back, but there's a clock right there. Um, allowing Father God to come and speak his peace over us. And there's another thing. So in a moment, we're going to have, I wonder, Chris, whether you would mind just playing in a minute. And um, we're just going to be quiet. And I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, Psalm 46. And then after that, I'm going to read something else. As I, I've spoken about Steve and Wendy Backlund before when I last spoke. And um, their ministry of, um, it's all about our beliefs and our thinking and actually experiencing all that God has to us through renewing our minds. And Wendy has produced it, she's done it this November and last November, a series of teachings and declarations that you can get by email that's all about, it's called Feasting on the Spirit, but it's all about us living in our spirit identities and our true identities. And last year I did it and it was really transformational. It was brilliant. This year, I have to be honest and say I haven't, I did the first week and then I haven't kept up with it. But there's, there was an excerpt from one of the, the, the days last year that I then saved onto my iPad, and it was so powerful. So after I read Psalm 46, I'm just going to read that out loud. And it's like a declaration, but I just want you to consider the words and take it in and think about it. If you want me to then send you a copy, then do let me know, and I can email it to you. Um, yeah, I just encourage you to be still and just to enjoy this time and to to hear God's Father coming to you and speaking his peace over you. So get yourself comfortable.
God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble. More than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we will never fear, even if every structure of support were to crumble away. We will not fear even when the earth quakes and shakes, moving mountains and casting them into the sea. For the raging roar of stormy winds and crashing waves cannot erode our faith in you. God has a constantly flowing river whose sparkling streams bring joy and delight to his people. His river flows right through the city of God Most High into his holy dwelling place. God is in the midst of his city, secure and never shaken. At daybreak, his help will be seen with the appearing of the dawn. When the nations are in uproar with their tottering kingdoms, God simply raises his voice and the earth begins to disintegrate before him. Here he comes, the commander, the mighty lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. Everyone look, come and see the breathtaking wonders of our God. For he brings both ruin and revival and he's the one who makes conflicts to end throughout the earth breaking and burning every weapon of war. Surrender your anxiety. Be silent and stop your striving and you will see that I am God. I am the God above all the nations and I will be exalted throughout the whole earth. Here he stands, the commander The mighty Lord of angel armies is on our side. The God of Jacob fights for us. I'm just going to read Wendy's declaration now. As I view my life through the eyes of my spirit. I see that life is easy and full of his presence. The strength and power of the spirit is radiating from me. I can barely see my physical body. Instead, I see the substance of my spirit glowing with hope and joy. People are sent into realms of the spirit as they get near me. They have God encounters and are instantly healed. What a great day. It all comes so easy and it feels as though I'm living in a whole new dimension. There is such joy and laughter all around me. My body and emotions are blessed by the Spirit. They feel loved and empowered. When I meet people today, that same love and grace is imparted to others. People feel loved in my presence. People sense they are valuable and significant when they are around me. I love how heaviness and mourning are chased away when the joy of the Lord emanates from me. I have no sense of guilt, shame or inadequacies because I am perfectly and wonderfully made in his image. 
I feel light and unburdened, for he cares for me. I luxuriate in his love and goodness. Today I bask in the privilege of being spirit to spirit with the King of Kings, one with him in every way, wallowing in his loving kindness and protection. If God is for me, who can be against me? I'm just going to give you a few minutes while Chris just plays, just to enjoy the presence of He's here, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is here now, and he wants to minister to you. He knows what you wrote on that paper, and he wants to come and speak directly into your situation. Let's just enjoy his presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Have your way, Jesus, this morning. We just give you this time now, Lord, and say, let your peace come. Manifest your peace in this room. Peace that comes through revelation of truth. Impartation. Thank you, Jesus. I just wondered whether um, we could have the, if, there's, if you're in the pastoral leadership team and you'd like to um, pray for people, I'd love you to come and join me over here. And I feel that um, I think God wants to speak prophetically. So if you've got into specific situations, if you feel God speaking to you about something for somebody else and you want to come and share that, then I'd encourage you to come up the front. And then if you want to respond, we'll have some people over here that you can pray pray with. They can pray for you for about a specific situation. If, you don't, if somebody doesn't bring something prophetic that you feel is specifically for you, but you would like to have someone pray with you about something, then 
we'll see you can do that. So if you could make your way over there, if you're from the um, prayer team, that would be great. Thank you. So as Marsha was sharing, she mentioned renewing of the mind. And she said, when I preached about this now and a while ago, I feel like I'm repeating myself. And I felt the Holy Spirit just to prompt me and say that the reason he's given Marsha as a gift to this church is so that we listen to his promptings. So Marsha has, as a prophet, she's heard God. And we've each got a chance to respond. There's no pressure. But if you know renewing of the mind is something that you are sitting there thinking, I don't get it, What well, I'm struggling, then could I invite you to stand with me and to go and see these guys for prayer? Does anybody feel like they've got any prophetic? We've got five minutes. We're not going to rush. Um, it was just about the, uh, the scripture that Marsh read out about um, Jesus saying, Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And, um, and I felt that um, what Jesus is saying, that he's not asking you to exchange your heavy burden for for his burden, which is he's going to put a different yoke on you. I believe what he's saying is that, I don't know if you know what an ox yoke looks like, it's often a piece of wood which is put across the neck of two oxen or more. And I I believe what he's saying is that he's going to be the other part of that yoke. So he's going to take the weight for you. And so I just felt there was an encouragement maybe for some people here that if you're feeling so burdened that even the idea of taking off one burden and taking on Jesus' burden feels too much, that actually what he's saying is, I'm going to carry that with you. And it's like as the yoke goes across you, you, the weight of it will almost not be there. It will be a light burden because he will be the one carrying it with you. Okay, so there's just an encouragement for you in that, that you can receive and that he's going to carry that with you. There is strength in him, as Marsh was saying, there's strength through him to carry you through whatever situation you're in. Okay, you can be confident of that. He'll get you through. I think not only what Marsha has shared is incredibly prophetic, but her timing is incredibly prophetic. Because we are coming up to Christmas and, and, and we all know that for some people Christmas can be a real challenge. Uh, and, and for some, that's a challenge of loneliness and just not knowing where to go or what to do when it seems everyone around is having fun. Um, but for some, actually, our families are just so complicated that no matter what we do, we're going to upset somebody. And, and there are those situations where there is just no right answer. Uh, and, and that can cause real anxiety. Because we want to do the right thing. We want to do the best thing. We want to honour our father and mother. We want to spend time with those people. But it's just so complicated. And I really believe that God, for some, wants to bring peace into those situations. Where you're just wondering, what, what should I do? Whatever I do, it's going to go wrong. 
I tried last year, I upset somebody, I tried something else the year before that, that upset some, and, and you just can't see a way through it. And I really believe that God wants to bring peace into that situation for you this year. Um, and if that's you, I really would encourage you just to, to, to be bold, to stand up and somebody will pray with you for that. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. I'm just going to pray for us um, in closing. And then if once, um, if you need to go and get your children, then go. But we're going to stay around here for a little bit. So um, if, you, if you would still like to be prayed for, then, um, then just come over here. I know it can be quite daunting, can't it, when there's, there's not everyone sitting down, the thought of going over there. But we, we will be there to pray. Thank you, Father, so much for speaking to us this morning. I thank you that you are just so, so good. You're so loving. You're so, just so wonderful. And I thank you. You speak to us. You say what we need to hear at the right time. And I thank you for speaking to us this morning. And Lord, I want to pray for each of us that we would, in the week to come, we would be proactive in seeking to live, lining up our bodies and our souls in line with where our spirits are now. And that is in your embrace, in union with you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word, that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Lord, that you are our peace, Jesus. And I pray that this week we would have amazing experiences of tangible experiential peace and I pray Lord that you would help us to grasp hold of the truth of your word as well but by your spirit Holy Spirit come and teach our spirits what the truth is about the peace that we have received through Jesus and I just want to declare over us all now we are going to go out of this place in peace Thank you, Jesus. We carry your peace with us. Thank you what we just said, that people who come into contact with us are going to tangibly feel your peace as a result of being in contact with us. Thank you. We carry your peace wherever we go from here. And we just speak that over our children as well. We thank you. Your peace is for them as well. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and thank you for your presence. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for who you are. Amen.